Hi, this is Joel Knox from the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad that you're interested in our podcasts. Our media is available to you free of charge, and it always will be. But if you'd like to help us out, you can go to our website, vineyardbrenham.org, and make a donation there. We'd appreciate it very much. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. That was a song called Leave Me Home by Jamie N. Commons. It was first heard on a a certain TV series. I I won't mention it here since we got kids in the room. But um, if you recognize it, you know what it is. If not, then it's no big deal. But this morning I'm going to be talking about being led by the Spirit. I don't know if you noticed the, the music that we were singing today was talking about being led by the Spirit. We're in a series right now that is focusing on the Holy Spirit in the season of Lent. Now, when we talk about Lent, it's not necessarily the first thing that comes to mind that we talk about the Holy Spirit. Because usually we're talking about what we have to give up, the things that we're, that we're trying to do without. If you, if you participate in Lent, you probably have been you know, doing without meat maybe, doing without sweets. And, and that's, that's just what we do at this time of year. But it's, it's a period of 40 days that lead up to Easter that begins with Ash Wednesday. And that was a couple of weeks ago. Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at being led by the Spirit. And I'm sure a few of you probably have heard this prayer before. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Well, that prayer was was the work of Reinhold Nebuhr. He's an American theologian, ethicist, commentator on politics and public affairs, and was a professor at Union Theological Seminary in New York from the 1930s to the 1960s. And for someone who was a a public commentator, someone who commented on public events, social events, that that kind of thing, he had a lot of quotable sayings. One of my favorites is that the work of a preacher is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. (laughs) Y'all might agree with me on that. Maybe I do that every Sunday. I don't know. But that kind of goes along with the Scripture in Hebrews chapter 4 that says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword that penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit the joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Has anybody ever experienced the cutting that the Word sometimes does? You may not be living right and you read something in Scripture and it grabs you. Maybe somebody's quoted a Scripture to you at one time or other and it kind of jolted you a little bit. The way that the sword works, it it cuts going in and it also cuts when it comes back. 
It's two-edged so it can go from side to side. And the, the fact that we're talking about the Word of God, it's true. And it gets into the, the real stuff. It gets past the periphery and gets into the, the, the internal workings of who we are. The old-time preachers used to say, sometimes we say amen, and other times we say, oh me. God loves us too much to leave us where we are and to leave us to our own devices. So His Word keeps us honest because it is true. And He knows what's best for us even when we think we know what's best for ourselves. In Luke's Gospel, we read the story of Jesus' baptism. When we, when we started this series, we read this Scripture. Luke chapter 3, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as He was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on Him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are My Son, whom I love. In you I am well pleased. And then we go to chapter 4, and it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Now, if you know that Scripture, you know that that's just a part of what was said there. But just for, for a second, we just wanna, I want to stay here with this and just, just talk about being led by the Spirit. Jesus was full of the Spirit when He came up out of the water. The Spirit descended upon Him. The, the description is like a dove as it goes to land, and it landed upon Him. It was, like, it was, this, it was an apparition, if you will, that, that the people that were present saw it. The, the Spirit descended upon Him, and it's kind of like whenever we say, come Holy Spirit. This was a visible expression. And Luke continues to say that Jesus was led by the Spirit. And, and that's a pretty great thought. I mean, who wouldn't want to be led by the Spirit? You know, you feel like that you're, you're being moved in a direction. You're being moved to a particular place or in a, in a particular time. Paul told the Galatians, live by the Spirit and let us keep in step with the Spirit. And he also told the Galatians that the way of freedom is, is found in the Holy Spirit. And the, the results of living such a life is evident by what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And he describes it as love, joy, peace, forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think we all could use a little bit of all of that, right? And the existence of fruit is the result of the Holy Spirit's work in a believer's life. There's an interesting thing about fruit. Now, I've never been a farmer, but, but I, I know that if, if a plant is healthy and it's a fruit-bearing plant, then it's going to bear fruit. That plant doesn't have to say within itself, 
I need to grow fruit. Grow fruit. It doesn't work that way. It just happens. That's what a plant does. When it's healthy, fruit grows. Whenever that plant is sick, and if you've ever had one of those plants, you know that that you have to do things to try to get it well if it's going to ever produce anything. Maybe you have to have to tend to the soil a little bit. Maybe you have to dig around. Maybe there's 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 something in the soil, like maybe bugs or or something that's that's eating away at that that plant, and you have to tend to that plant in order for it to be healthy again. The presence of the of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it, it, it's a comfort. He comes to us and he and he gives us comfort. And when, we, when we're experiencing His presence, whenever we're allowing the, the Spirit to work within us, we see the fruit. And when we see that, that I'm not as anxious as I used to be. I'm not angry about things that I used to be angry about. I'm actually a little bit nicer to my kids. Or maybe, you know, I, as kids, you know, I, I really want to obey my parents instead of giving them a hard time. You know, it, it's, and, and that's the working of the Spirit in us that's bearing fruit. And when we see that stuff, it, it's a comfort. I'm, I'm actually getting better than I was. I'm not, I'm not the same person I was just a few weeks ago. The Spirit leads us into comfort. It's a comfort whenever we see fruit in our lives. The psalmist David said it like this, The Lord is my shepherd. How many of you know this verse? I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil... For you are with me. It's a, it's a perfect picture of God's comfort and the Holy Spirit working within us to be more like Jesus. But the truth is, we can't always live in a place of comfort. Remember what I said about the preacher? Sometimes you have to afflict the comfortable. Have you ever prayed a prayer like this? Holy Spirit, lead me. Or show me the way. Do you realize that's probably one of the most dangerous prayers you could ever pray? Because the Lord might actually answer those prayers and lead you where He wants you to go. And show you where He wants you to be. If we read Luke 4, that verse that I just started a few minutes ago, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days He was tempted by the devil. We read that right. He went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And this is right after, you know, experiencing the fullness of the presence of God in his life. 
Sometimes the Spirit leads us down a difficult path, a path of testing. Now, and I need to distinguish here that we're not talking about temptation. Because James tells us about that, that we're led away by our, our own desires and we're enticed whenever we're, we're tempted. But we're led to, the Lord leads us to a place where we are tested. And, and sometimes that testing is preparation for something that He wants to do with us later. I'm a big fan of, of high school football. I think I've talked about that a few times. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, and I, I, I love high school football because it just kind of takes out all the other elements that, you know, you, you get in pro football and even in college football. And, and I, I, I follow every year at the 1st of, of February, the, the UIL does a realignment. They, they, they reorganize all the districts, you know, and they try to, to, to give some, some teams an advantage that they might not have had before. And if there's a really successful team, they put them in a situation where they might, might get a little bit more competition that they might not normally have. Well, I noticed this year, and I, I keep up with really with two teams. I keep up with Brenham, and I keep up with my high school, my, my hometown school. And they, they were put in this really weak district. The, the schools that, that they're going to be lined up with next year, they, they, I think all together won like maybe five games. And it's, that's like, like four other teams. Well, what ends up happening, if you're in a, in a district that doesn't provide a lot of competition, then a football team, they, they get out to a big lead in the first half. And then they start pulling their players because, you know, in, in college football, they just keep playing their, their, their lead players. They might take that all the way into the fourth quarter. But in, in high school football, you know, they're, they're younger guys and you don't want to hurt anybody. And so you start substituting people in. Well, sometimes, whenever, well, actually a lot of times, the, these teams get into the playoffs and they're, they're, are lined up with, with another team that has been in, in full competition all year long. The quarterback had to play all four quarters. The running back had to play all four quarters. And then whenever the team that had to rest everybody because you know, they were playing against this lesser competition, whenever they get into those kinds of games, they start experiencing fatigue. They start experiencing problems that, that they haven't experienced before because they never made it into the third and fourth quarters. And I, I think that that kind of that kind of speaks to me in terms of of what the Lord tries to do in our lives. Sometimes we need that competition. Sometimes we need to be pressed. Sometimes God has to has to look, lean on us a little bit to get us to understand what He's trying to do. And if we're comfortable, we just we'll just kind of stay where we are and we're, we enjoy the, the comfort that we feel in the Holy Spirit and, and we're, 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 we're just satisfied with the fact that, you know, everything's going well for me. In Exodus 15, you can read about how God led the Israelites out of slavery. And it's... Such a, a miraculous story. They come out of, uh, of Egypt and they cross the Red Sea. And, and they, they saw God's deliverance and, and the, the waters part. And they, they see the Egyptians getting washed away. And they're celebrating this great victory. Well, 
in the following verses, it says in verse 22, Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. God, you just gave us this great victory. And what you can read it in, 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 in that passage that they start grumbling. Why did you lead us out into the desert? We don't have any water. We could have just stayed in, in Egypt. I mean, were there not graves in Egypt? And we, we could have stayed there and we could have lived our lives and we'd have been happy living in Egypt. Now, the, this is people that had been complaining that they had been in slavery for 400 years. And somehow they forgot about their slavery whenever they were facing this desert, this test that God had put in front of them. And that's exactly what it was. It was a test. God wanted to know, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you allow me to meet your needs? The Apostle James told the early church, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's been said that training is useful, but there's no substitute for experience. God uses our experience as preparation for the next thing that He's wanting to do in us. Now, let let me say this. God does not make bad things happen to make us better people. Bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen because this world isn't right. And we're waiting for God to make it right. And sometimes the Spirit leads us in places and seasons where we may not even feel His presence. And we might ask questions like, did I make the right decision? Did I miss God's will? Am I somehow in sin? I mean, we ask these questions, and those times of testing cause us to look at ourselves and and, and examine our hearts and see where, where we are, where do we stand. God often has to move us out of those comfortable places in order to teach us to trust Him for what He wants to do through us. See, the Spirit leads us through trials and preparation. He leads us through those things. And there's no substitute for that experience. The Apostle Peter wrote in his first letter to the church, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through Him you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. 
For if you possess these qualities in increasing nature, in measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord. Where do these things come from? How do we obtain these things? Does it come by getting everything that we want? It comes from the testing that we experience in those times of trial. God knows that we won't, we won't get them any other way. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. You know, at the same time that we're experiencing trials and temptation, trials and, and tests, we're also in a spiritual struggle. And we need spiritual weapons in order to be able to engage in it. Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church and author of The Purpose Driven Life, said, You never know God is all you need until God is all you have. And this is a man that his, his oldest son committed suicide just a few years ago. I mean, how, how do you answer something like that? And, and he and his wife, they, they, they had to field the questions from people in the media. You know, was he, was he a believer? What, you know, what? And, and we, we don't know the answers. And, and they didn't know the answers. And he came back to this, this very thing. God is all we have. We, we just have to trust God that He's going to take care of all of this. Now, when we talk about spiritual growth, does spiritual growth happen when times are good? Are those the times that we, that we, we experience that, that inner growth in our lives whenever everything is going our way? Chances are, our, our times that we grow the most are the times whenever we're experiencing tests. Times that we're experiencing trials. Times that we're, that we're wondering, God, are you even there? Our most significant growth takes place in places of difficulty and struggle. And I was reading this week how vine dressers, the people that, that, that take care of, of, of grapevines, you know, for wine, they have to grow these things, they're called cover crops. And those cover crops are there. They, they, they really just, just work in the soil to make sure that those plants, that those vines have, have the nourishment that they need. And sometimes when it's really dry, you know, we've experienced some, some, some droughts here in Texas. Sometimes it, it, you need some help to make sure that the, the soil is, is as strong and as as healthy as it should be. And those cover crops, they, they serve to make sure that the, the soil is rich and that there's enough moisture and, and, and that everything is, is right for that plant to make it through those times whenever it's, it's really dry. In the times when we experience the Spirit's comfort, praying is easy. 
You know God's there. And you can, you can look to, to the sky and say, Lord, help me. And you know that, that He hears you. But when God leads through hardship, we find ways, we need to find ways to sustain our souls. And down through the centuries, believers discovered great encouragement in practices known as the spiritual disciplines, which provide the framework for us to encounter God. In her book, Sacred Rhythms, Ruth Haley Barton describes where we often find ourselves in times of need. She said, Many of us try to shove spiritual formation into the nooks and the crannies of life that is already unmanageable. Rather than being willing to arrange our life for what our heart most wants, we think that somehow we will fall into transformation by accident. I cannot transform myself, or anyone else for that matter. What I can do is create the conditions in which spiritual transformation can take place by developing and maintaining a rhythm of spiritual practices that keep me open and available to God. Over time, as we surrender ourselves to these new rhythms, they help us surrender old behaviors, attitudes, and practices so that we can be shaped by new ones. These disciplines can be regular rhythms of prayer, scripture reading, solitude, fasting. Another great rhythm is to take communion, just like what we did this morning. Sometimes these things don't feel very spiritual, but they put us in a position where we can connect with Jesus, even in our most difficult and trying times. You see, the Spirit is who leads us into transformation. Jude verse 2021 says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Doesn't that sound like what we're looking for? Now, you might be here and, and you can think of a time when you, the, you feel like you had been led into a, to a desert, to a dry place. And maybe you're there now. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you're being formed during this time. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. There's encouragement in, that, in those words for those who might be in a, in, a, in a dry place. If we could all stand, we're going to end with a, with a little prayer. I have the prayer up, up here on, on the screen. But I want us to pray this together as we close. O oh God of the sojourner who has led Jesus into the wilderness and who leads us, your people, into the wilderness, lead us by your Spirit where you will, where you will, that wherever we are, 
walking through the dark valleys or shining on a hill, we will always be where you are. Though your perfect love that casts out fear, your perfect grace that leaves us without condemnation, your perfect peace that overcomes the world, and your perfect joy that overflows with hope. And it is made known through your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. That was a little rough, but thank you for coming along. But it's, it's our heart during this, this season that, that we would we'd be open to the Holy Spirit as we move towards Easter. And we, we hope to encounter the risen Jesus Christ just like the, the first time that we heard the gospel message, that He's alive and that He wants to, to live and rule and reign in us. So if you're on our, our ministry team this morning, I, w- I want to invite you to the front. But if, if, you, if you need any kind of, of, of ministry this morning, maybe you're experiencing a time of dryness, maybe you're going through a hard time, we want to, want to take the time to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you're, you're saying, you know, I want, to, I want to pray that crazy prayer, Lord, lead me. And you want to see where, where God will take you. We want to, want to give you an opportunity to respond to what the Lord might be doing in, in your heart and in your life this morning. So I'm going to say a prayer. And if you, if you need, need ministry, just come on to the front and we'll, we'll have someone pray with you. Father, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we we invite you to come and meet with us here. Come and have your way in us. We need your presence. We need your, your, your hope rising within us, God. Lead us and have your way in us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need, need prayer... If you're on the prayer team, please come forward. But if you need, if you need ministry, we want to take the opportunity to pray with you today. God bless you.